Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living and services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. OnPost, for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpost.com forward slash sustainability. It's been a year since my sister Callie died. Now I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, Callie's there to wake me up. The insomnia's gotten so bad, I'm not sure what's real anymore. There's a shadow living inside my head. It's angry, and I don't think I can stop it. My name is Harper Hart, and I'll see you in your nightmares. Journey into your own subconscious and listen to See You in Your Nightmares now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm Sammy J, and we're back with season three of my podcast, Let's Be Real with Sammy J. As part of Gen Z, I love that my generation is inspiring change, and I'm so excited to talk to more celebrities, activists, athletes, and influencers to find out what they're passionate about, how they're changing the world, or helping others feel less alone. Season three is going to be exciting, revealing, and empowering. Listen to Let's Be Real with Sammy J on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, on the 6th of January, uh, it's 6 a.m. in the morning, and then I suddenly heard someone is banging on my door quite vigorously. At first, I, I was thinking, oh, is that uh, my neighbor? I'm still, well, trying really hard to open my eyes because it was really early in the morning, you know, 6 a.m. My hair is, is such a mess, <laughs> and I, I didn't even have the time to brush. And then my family members uh, go to check on the door and they saw it's the police and they said they are here for me. I knew that, you know, being a politician in Hong Kong, you always face a certain risk of being arrested someday. I immediately, like, um, wake up everyone in the house. And then after that, after reading this search warrant, I open the door and allow them to come in. The first thing the police, when they enter the house, is ask everyone to put down their phones and to gather their phones together. They search the house quite completely. They're even searching the kitchen and the toilet. I, I, I asked them, why are you here today? What will be the charges? They said that they are going to arrest me under the subversion of the national security law. 
I thought I was like prepared to be arrested, like I was prepared to facing some charges because of my participation in politics. But when that kind of arrest and prosecution comes to you, you will still feel yourself underprepared. After the search, they put the handcuffs on me. And the first thing the police asked me is that, uh, do you need to cover your face? Like, because uh, we're going to take you down to the streets and then take you onto the car and someone might saw it in the middle, uh, in between. And I said, oh, uh, I don't need it. Because I think like, uh, you're arresting me on a really ridiculous charge and why well, I need to be ashamed of it. When I left my house, I thought that, oh, this could be my last time walking out of these doors in five to seven years. Hong Kong has fundamentally changed. Thousands of protesters had taken over some of downtown Hong Kong's most important roads. The people of Hong Kong will not be silenced and we will continue the fight. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zimros. Hi. It's been so long. Do we need Laurel to introduce herself? I I just say I'm a journalist from Hong Kong. I'm Laurel Chorin. I'm a journalist from Hong Kong. So in January, I saw you tweet about these mass arrests in Hong Kong where the police rounded up 53 people in a single day. You wrote that all the protesters and politicians and activists that you interviewed in Hong Kong from the beginning of the Umbrella Movement to as recently as 2019 are now either in exile, in jail, or had just been arrested. Yeah. On the morning of January 6th, I had started reading reports on Twitter that the police had rounded up several dozen pro-democracy activists and politicians. And the list of names was pretty staggering. It was pretty much a bunch of people who had been major or minor characters in Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement for years now. The pro-democracy movement had been through a lot. It had tried peaceful protests, had tried violent protests, had tried legitimate means. But with this crackdown, the government showed that any form of dissent is no longer possible. So, Laurel, talk to me about the history here. The relationship between China and Hong Kong is long and it's complicated. But let's start at the pivotal moment— 1997, when Hong Kong stopped being a British colony. Yeah. So Hong Kong was a British colony until 1997, when it was handed back to Chinese rule. 
At the time of the handover, I was seven years old. Then, at the stroke of midnight, history edged Hong Kong out of the arms of Britain. And, you know, we knew that this big historical event was happening, but no one really knew what would actually happen afterwards. For China, this was a moment of pride. For their leaders, an end to what they call an age of shame and humiliation. A lot of people were really afraid about what it would mean for Hong Kong to go from this pretty liberal British rule to authoritarian rule under China. After the handover, what was supposed to happen was that Hong Kong would be given 50 years to continue as is, to keep living its way of life. For example, in Hong Kong, there's the freedom of speech and the freedom of press. The internet isn't censored. Um, so there's all sorts of rights and freedoms that exist in Hong Kong that don't elsewhere in China. Part of the problem is that all these promises that were made years ago were, were very vague and short on details, and it never really outlined what exactly democracy would be for Hong Kong, what exactly it would look like and how it would work. And, and because those details were never really quite enshrined in law, it's never really happened. The thing that comes to mind is that a partial democracy isn't actually a democracy. Yeah, it's been a long time that people in Hong Kong have been fighting for democracy. And this latest crackdown is actually in response to years of protests for democracy that have been happening in Hong Kong. That's something that the world and myself have been watching happen for a, a while now. So I remember the protests in 2014. They, they featured these huge scenes of young people holding umbrellas. And, and you covered that, right? Yeah, I kind of cut my teeth as a young journalist during the umbrella movement. Back in 2014, the government said, we'll let Hong Kong people elect their leader for the first time ever, but they can only elect from two to three candidates that we give them. And Hong Kongers said, that's not good enough, so they took to the streets. So we have to stand firm. We have to say clearly, this is not the voting system we want. And then the police cracked down, and it was really violent. It was quite shocking for Hong Kongers watching this all unfold on TV. Someone opened an umbrella to defend himself in case the police used pepper spray. And that sparked the umbrella movement, which was this peaceful occupation of Hong Kong's biggest and, and busiest streets. It lasted 79 days where people were camped out, and there were all these tents, there were these art installations, and they just sort of paralyzed these really important parts of the city for almost three months. 2014, for many Hong Kongers, especially young Hong Kongers, was really a moment of awakening, political awakening. Before Umbrella Movement, basically my 
political participation is really minimal. Fergus Lang, the guy we heard at the top of the episode, is currently a district councillor. I'm 23 years old, and I'm a full-time district councillor. But back in 2014, he was still just a high school student. Oh. 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 And we need to switch to English now. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Right. You introduce him to us, and we send Viola Zhao, a vice reporter in Hong Kong, to meet Fergus at his office. <laughs> Could you explain a little bit what you're doing? Yeah, I, I'm feeding my cat medicine because uh, her her stomach wasn't feeling well these days. She's a stray cat before, and she's quite defensive.、Mm. So when we whenever we feed her medicine, sometimes she'll pee and even poop when we do the injection. <laughs> This her her way to protest. <laughs> I was seventeen when myself directly experienced the tear gas from the police. I knew that oh, well, something is wrong with this city. Did you stay overnight? I did stay so overnight. It was like a camping.、Uh, not camping. We're actually just sitting on the on the streets, sitting on the floor, finding some place to lie down, and then we stay at night. At first, I was hopeful because we are quite、uh, excited and we feel like oh. Maybe this kind of demonstration could really force the government to back down. There's this really optimistic, peaceful movement where everyone just wanted to do their part. It kind of created this political consciousness, especially amongst young people, that was definitely not there before. During that time when I first experienced tear gas in my life, I actually was quite shocked because、uh, I never imagined that. Fighting for really basic human rights like democracy would be such difficult in Hong Kong. I'll never forget the first time they fired tear gas in 2014. I was 24. After protesters, mainly university students, were pepper sprayed and tear gassed, many went to the streets to express their support. And I remember being so shocked. I'd never been tear gassed before. I <laughs> took some photos in my panic, and then ran away crying, and like called my dad to like pick me up. <laughs> I think I went back later that day after collecting myself. It was really hot. You could barely move, and I'm just trying to make my way through the crowd. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, huh, like I feel like a cool breeze. And then I realized.、Like, There's like these kids standing by the side of the road, and one of them was holding like a little electric fan, and the other one was like spritzing me with like a spray bottle. <laughs> I think that moment really exemplified this attitude within the Hong Kong pro-democracy movement, which is as long as people. Work peacefully and together towards this goal of democracy, then they'll get there. Even if it's something as simple as spritzing people to cool them down during a peaceful occupation in front of the government headquarters. The umbrella movement—it wasn't successful. The umbrella movement. 
at the time was sort of considered a failure in that it didn't accomplish any of its goals, right? Hong Kong did not come out of the movement with universal suffrage of any kind. But what did happen was that there was this sort of generation of activists that were born out of this movement. We saw that the police, they tried to override the freedom. I think that it's the time that we should do something to protect Hong Kong, to protect the uniqueness of Hong Kong, to protect what makes Hong Kong Hong Kong. I really realized that we could not just sit here and do nothing. So that's why I continued to participate in the movement and also continue to participate in politics afterwards. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels, and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, 
and former editor of People magazine, Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So fast forward five years after the Umbrella Movement, there are new protests happening. Hong Kong is in the middle of the biggest, most violent mass rebellion against its government since pro-communists revolted against British colonizers 52 years ago. In 2019, the government proposed an extradition bill that would allow suspected criminals to be extradited to mainland China. Everyone was scared because really no one wants to face trial in China where there is a 99% conviction rate. And it prompted these major marches. In June 2019, a million people, according to organizer estimates, took to the streets. Hong Kong is a city of just over 7 million. One in seven people came out to express the fact that they do not support this bill. This international city, this international financial hub being brought to a literal standstill earlier today because of the sweeping size of today's protest. And then a week later, organizers estimate that 2 million people came out, including Fergus. At the time, we thought that it's the bill that will completely integrate Hong Kong into China uh, legal system. During the interaction between the people and also between the government and also the police force, people feel like the only problem is not about the extradition bill. It's about that this regime is not respecting the rights of Hong Kong people. And from June onwards, from those early peaceful protests, it all kind of deteriorated very quickly. And I was on the street covering all those protests at the time. We are standing outside the Wang Taixin police station where the police were just forced back by residents. I've never seen the police fire tear gas on bystanders. I think there are so many moments that show just how brazen the police had become and how they were acting with complete impunity. There's video footage of police throwing trash cans over bridge at people below. There's a video of a police officer chasing through a crowd of protesters on a motorcycle, clearly trying to mow them down. The worst part is that, like, pro-Beijing people in Hong Kong, like, their point is that Hong Kong police aren't that bad at all, because imagine what would have happened in the U.S. They're like, they're, we're better than your so-called democratic beacon, USA. By dusk, protesters had made their way in, tagging their grievances on the walls. On July 1st, protesters surrounded the legislature and broke into the chamber. Then they draped Britain's colonial flag on the seat of power and blacked out the island's emblem. And the government still didn't respond. The police crackdown continued and and everything was getting more violent and people just got angrier and angrier. And it wasn't until September that the government said, the government will formally withdraw the bill in order to fully allay public concerns. At that point, the public was so angry that it didn't even matter anymore. 
people kept protesting. And soon after the withdrawal of the bill, the district council elections happened. The people here at this polling station have been here all night. This is a referendum on the protests that have plagued Hong Kong for the past five, almost six months. Okay, so in Hong Kong, what does a district councillor do? So a district councillor is this local level politician who deals with very, very local things. If the wild boar are digging into your trash again, then you tell your (laughs) district councillor. When a water pipe bursts in your neighborhood, you tell your district councillor. Like, it's not a politically important position. But um, in the 2019 district council elections, it became a big deal because it was a chance for Hong Kongers to vote and to express what they thought. I thought that, well, it's something that we might we could get and then after we gain the control of the district council, we might become a very strong representation of the thoughts of the Hong Kong people. Fergus was one of many first-time candidates who ran in the 2019 district council elections. At first, I don't think I have any chance of winning the election because uh, it is a district which is occupied by the probation camp for many, many years. A record number of voters turned out of the polls with nearly 3 million people casting ballots. They waited in long lines. It was probably really, for the movement, the brightest spot of the year. And as it turned out, the pro-democracy candidates won in a huge landslide. Fergus gets elected. So the government tables the extradition law. These elections happen. And even though they're not super consequential, they still feel really important. And it feels like people are exercising their right to vote. So at this point in November 2019, it kind of sounds like things are looking up. I was actually covering one of the celebrations on assignment. And it was such a breath of fresh air. I'd brought all my equipment as usual. I had my helmet on me. I had my face mask or my huge ballistic mask. And I didn't need it. It was just this like party. Um, And it was really nice. Like people are literally popping champagne and like, sharing it with strangers and and offering snacks. It was a really optimistic and encouraging time for the movement. And it certainly scared both the Hong Kong and Chinese governments. And then that feeling of optimism didn't last very long because just a few weeks later, the pandemic hit. Hong Kong leaders who tried to ban protesters from wearing masks to hide their faces now cover their own. Okay, so 2019 sort of ended on this high note. And then in January 2020, the pandemic hits Hong Kong. We got our first case in January. That had a real chilling effect on the movement. The virus has really gotten people off the streets. Um, I think uh, that's probably given a window for the government to go out and start arresting people. Hong Kong got its first case back in January 2020. The government really clamped down on public assembly. The government is taking emergency measures to prevent a public health catastrophe, severely restricting travel from mainland China. And no one really wanted to gather in public places in large numbers. 
And then a few months later, Beijing announced the national security law for Hong Kong, which was probably the most shocking thing to happen yet. China's national parliament has approved a controversial national security law for Hong Kong, which criminalizes acts of sedition and terrorism. It was so vague and so sweeping that really anything could be construed to be a crime under those laws. The new threat was that you could no longer speak out in Hong Kong, that free speech was no longer in Hong Kong. All of these crimes could be punished with life in prison. Bail could be denied. Trials could be held behind closed doors. Trials could be held in mainland China. So this was way worse than the extradition bill. I think the Hong Kong government and Chinese government are imposing a atmosphere of fear around Hong Kong. They make you feel like, oh, uh, I could be arrested simply because I participated in the protest last year. I could be arrested because I post something on Facebook or post something on my social media. Was it clear right away that this national security law was going to be a big deal? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a, a huge shock. It kind of changed everything in Hong Kong almost overnight, whether or not it would actually be enforced a lot. Everyone from then on would be really afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing. At the beginning, they didn't really use the law. And then they started making a few arrests. Police in Hong Kong have arrested Jimmy Lai. Jimmy Lai is a media tycoon. He owns several publications, including Apple Daily, which is one of Hong Kong's most widely read newspapers. A top aide said Lai is being held over suspected collusion with foreign forces under the controversial national security law. That had a big chilling effect on the media. It seemed like for a while, every day, every week, there was some sort of development. There were new arrests. It was like this slow creep, activists getting picked up one by one. And then January 6th happens. Police in Hong Kong have arrested 53 pro-democracy activists. A government minister said they were detained for planning to, quote, paralyze and overthrow the city government. Everyone who was arrested on January 6th was arrested because of their involvement in these informal, unofficial election primaries that had happened the year before. Those election primaries had been organized by the pro-democracy camp. And even though the government had threatened that the primaries were potentially breaking the national security law, I don't think anyone could have anticipated the crackdown on January 6th. So how was that day different? Well, it was just such an authoritarian show of force. Before dawn, before people had even woken up, police had conducted this huge crackdown, this huge roundup of of activists who, some of which weren't even that important or influential. They put the handcuffs on me and then they uh, take me to the police station. And one of the people arrested was actually Fergus Lerng. How yeah. long did you spend in the police station? I spent my 40 hours inside a temporary detention room uh, in which it's uh, super bright, uh, only with very hot chairs which you can barely sleep most of the time i was just waiting like waiting for the police to conduct the next uh video uh recording investigation 
an interrogation. Almost everyone who was arrested was released on bail within a few days. So they're out on bail, but it's unclear whether they'll be prosecuted. They certainly could be eventually. So like now, um, after you were released, what was the first thing you did? First thing I did, uh, <laughs> I rushed back home to see my cat. <laughs> I come back to work and to focus on my work and hope that I could complete as much as I can before I lose my freedom. Because uh, we don't know whether on the next report day they will officially prosecute us and put us to the court. Did you hear from people living in the district? Like, did they say anything to you about your arrest? Oh, yeah. A lot of them on the next day Many of the residents come to me and, and ask about how do I feel after the arrest and also uh, give me a pack on my back and also cheer me up, telling me that we are, they were so worried about that. I'm a relatively young district councillor and I'm like at the age of their sons and grandsons. And then when I got arrested by police, I think it feels like their sons or their grandson is being arrested by the police. I got some residents coming to my office and asked me, oh, will I get arrested because I voted for you? Like, like that. Or, or will I get arrested because I participated in a particular demonstration last year which I didn't get arrested for? Well, sometimes I won't tell them, well, Hong Kong may become such a terrible place one day, but uh, at the moment, I think uh, they are still only targeting the, the so-called leaders or the faces of the movement. After being arrested at 6 a.m., you always fear about they will come to arrest you at 6 a.m. So recently, after being released from the police station, I couldn't sleep well in the last two weeks. Like uh, every day around 6 a.m. in the morning, I would wake up naturally and try to notice the streets downstairs to see are there any police cars downstairs. Because it feels like they, they are putting a knife on your neck and they could cut your knife anytime if they want. They can take away your freedom at any time. I think the Hong Kong movement has generally been really creative and incredibly resilient and persistent. So there will be other ways that they resist, but ultimately the space within which they can actually do anything at home is tiny and getting smaller and smaller by the day. But for now, people like Fergus, who are still officially district councillors, are free, but they're in this strange limbo waiting for news. Have you ever considered leaving? Uh, of course, this will be in my mind. I have thought about that uh, before because uh, my family and also the people around me would worry about my safety of continuous staying in Hong Kong. Nowadays, when many people, they leave Hong Kong, they always said that, oh, Hong Kong is hopeless. Uh, we shall wait for some foreign forces to help Hong Kong to reach democracy and freedom. That's why they said, oh, we could leave. So that one day when Hong Kong uh, was liberated and then we can come back and then to enjoy a city of freedom and with democracy. But I don't think things work in that way. Like, for example, I don't think if everyone left Hong Kong and just left Hong Kong alone, Hong Kong would 
regain its freedom and democracy suddenly. When the national security law was passed, a lot of people started talking about this as being like the end of democracy in Hong Kong, right? That this was the moment. Kind of sounds like you're not quite there yet. And so I'm wondering for you, what would be the end of democracy in Hong Kong? I I think that history has shown that authoritarian regimes don't last forever. I think democracy can prevail and hopefully will prevail. But when and how, I honestly have no idea. At the beginning of the protest, there were concerns that China might bring in the troops and crack down on the protests the same way they did 30 years ago in Tiananmen Square, where we don't even know how many students were killed. But China's shown that they don't need to resort to that kind of violence to squash dissent. I think what's really scary is that we don't really know what China is capable of in Hong Kong. You know, look at Xinjiang, where experts think that upwards of a million people are in detention camps. So I think it's also down to what the international community is willing to tolerate from China. And China keeps pushing that boundary and they haven't found the limit yet. What do you think will happen to people like Fergus who were arrested? I think the government will just continue cracking down on activists, on the movement, on anyone who has a voice until there is no one to crack down on. As for people like Fergus, I think they'll be in and out of jail for a long time until they're not considered a threat anymore. But also knowing all these activists, they're very difficult to silence. They're not willing to shut up, not willing to back down. And these activists show that they're willing to take more and more sacrifices. So I don't know where that leads to. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I can't believe I've no work again. It's so hard to build a career. Well, have you thought about a career in technology? Nah, I've no tech qualifications. What about Future in Tech? Their academy offers industry qualifications in cybersecurity, cloud, digital marketing, data analytics, web and software development. And it's all free. But lots of places offer free programs. How's this different? It's 100% online classroom learning with live tutors. You don't need a tech background. And you have access to industry mentors and career advisors. Great. Where do I apply? At futureintech.ie. This program is fully funded by the Technology Ireland ICT Skillnet through Skillnet Ireland. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. 
and in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus, and there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of imperial Russia, to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Special thanks to Viola Zhao, who helped us report and produce this episode. Alan Wong in Vice's Hong Kong office for editorial guidance, production, and planning. And to Laurel Chor for her long-term reporting on Hong Kong. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan, Sophie Tezis, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Legal review by Yoni Berkovitz. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Security by Rami Galli and Sharbil Namor. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. I'm Ariel Zimros. We were on a little bit of a hiatus, uh, so welcome back to everybody who is listening to this episode right now. This is the start of season two. And as in season one, I'm going to invite you guys to go to our Apple podcast page to rate and review the show because it really does help other people find this podcast. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Potential. It lives in all of us. It lives in tomorrow, the day after, and years to come. We realize it by planning for the best, instead of preparing for the worst. At AIB, we want to help you see the potential in yourself, your future, and your money. Which is why we offer our customers the opportunity to plan for what matters most with our team of financial advisors. Your future is full of potential, and AIB can help you get there. Visit aib.ie forward slash financial planning or call us today to find out how we can help. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. 
Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely cool and chill, if I do say so myself. In our new podcast, How Did We Get Weird? We'll talk about our favorite snacks, shows, and obsessions from growing up with some of your favorite comedians, musicians, and other A-list celebrities. Sorry, we're major. Listen to How Did We Get Weird from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.